Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are back this time with a Leicester update, joined once again by Jim, who has been on very much lately, but there's been a lot happening at Leicester. Um, you can, of course, find him on Twitter at JimKnight88, and he's also the head of content marketing over at DAZONE. Jim, an absolute pleasure having you back on again so soon. Um, but at the weekend, we talked about the sacking of Puel. Now, already a replacement. Just a few days later, Brendan Rodgers appointed the manager of Leicester. But let's go back a little bit because we didn't get a lot of time um, to really delve into your views on uh, Puel at uh, Leicester at the time. So I just kind of wanted to start with... Uh, Again, your thoughts on his departure, but kind of through the lens of what some of the highs and lows were uh, of his run as manager at Leicester. Um, highs, there were relatively few because, you know, it's been quite a difficult period under Puel. Not the um, wins against uh, City and those yeah, kind of big scalps? Uh, yeah, there were, there were a few isolated wins, I guess, but you would expect that to kind of come with any manager, you know, even the... Um, you know, the lesser ranked teams in the Premier League will occasionally get a win. Um, but even then, it wasn't hugely pretty to watch. Um, and that was kind of the underlying feeling with Puel. But it was it was a difficult watch stylistically. And um, I did say on uh, on the, the pod on Sunday that it, I think he was always fighting a tide of negativity um, because of the Southampton job um, and the way that ended, despite him um, by all kind of... Um, traditional metrics being a success there they let him go um, and I think that is a stigma that will potentially follow him around um, there were some really kind of high points obviously we reached a couple of cup quarterfinals under Puel um, which is the closest we've been to domestic uh, cup glory for quite a few years like the last time we won a domestic cup was uh, the year 2000 um, so it's been a while and I think they were both highs and lows like reaching those quarterfinals um were was a, a solid achievement in the League Cup, but also the way that we bowed out of those tournaments to Manchester City both times, n- naming weakened teams um, when there wasn't really a lot to fight for in the Premier League at that point. You know, we were not going to be relegated and we weren't probably going to go on and get a European spot both seasons. Um, and so to kind of sacrifice the Cups through rotating the teams um, was a little bit frustrating. So, yeah, that was kind of the... That, that was kind of the that's the kind of tagline, I guess, for the Puella era. There were some encouraging signs, but overall it was kind of an undercurrent of negativity, both in kind of footballing style, um, fan feeling and, um, you know, performance level as well. We were just way too passive um, through his style. He's a possession based manager, but 
it was difficult to kind of get on board with that when the, the byproduct of being so passive in games, even at home, was that we conceded the first goal uh, way too often and found ourselves playing from behind. Um, yeah, I saw yesterday was the first time in the league the season you scored in the opening 10 minutes. Yep. And while I think it's unfair to level, you know, goals in the first 10 minutes are kind of unusual for most teams, I guess. But the point is that we were playing from behind a lot. We would concede the first goal a hell of a lot of times, even at home when we're supposed to be the aggressors. And that what that means is that teams can sit back and defend against you when you play a possession-based style of football because you're not playing the quick direct style that Leicester used to play um, under Ranieri, under Pearson to some degree, under Ranieri, and then a little bit under Shakespeare as well when he took over. So it's very difficult to break teams down because they sit back on one or two goal leads and it's very difficult to um, get back from that position. And we did take a few, we've taken a lot of comparatively a lot of points compared to some teams from losing positions this year but a lot of that is due to the fact that we go behind almost as much as anyone else in terms of conceding the first goal so it's only natural that we were able to come back against Huddersfield for example and take points and we've got we have got some wins from behind um the Manchester City one being a good example but if you concede early it's not going to always go your way and the Part of the problem is that the narrative will be that you played well because you dominated some of the statistical kind of elements of the game. So you'll have more possession. You'll probably have more shots um, and you'll kind of have what is deemed the run of the game because you were dictating the play. But unless you're able to turn that into goal scoring opportunities and ultimately put the ball in the back of the net, it's very difficult to make a case for that being a good way to go um, because you you kind of always starting from a ne- well, a lot of the time in negative um, you know, you're kind of net negative before you actually start playing like fans want you to play. Um, and that's a difficult thing to square with a fan base that are still not kind of sure what a successful season is at Leicester after the, the flu- you know, the, the kind of miracle season of the title. People still aren't sure what Leicester City should be in terms of the Premier League um, ecosystem and where we should be aiming. So it makes it a difficult kind of one for a manager that wants to be not overly negative, but play that kind of more possession-based, um, slow-paced, more often than not, style of football with a patient build-up. Um, another uh, facet of the uh, tenure has been this coming through of youth. Do you attribute that to him? Do you think it was kind of a club directive, or do you just think that the club just happened to have a lot of young players that were very talented all coming through at, at similar times? Well, I think there's there's undoubtedly some element of the youth policy um, coming from the club's academy. If you look at Hamza Chowdhury, uh, Ben Chilwell, both of those came through the club's academy. And it's brilliant to see younger players um, following in the footsteps of people like Andy King, who you know was a club servant for many, many years, having come through the academy. And that's fantastic. Um, it's brilliant to see players coming through from our youth system. Um, homegrown players. I don't think there's much better feeling than watching a, a player that's um, learnt his trade under um, your club's tutelage and going on to make, you know, um, an England debut, for example, in Ben Chilwell's case. And it wouldn't surprise me if Hamza Chowdhury went on to that kind of level as well. Um, the the club clearly had a youth policy in mind because of the way that they signed players over the last kind of three or four years. There have been some players that haven't worked um 
And but but a lot of the signings, if you look at Nampalas Mende, Wilfred Ndidi, um, Rashi Gazelle, James Madison, um, you know, the, and even the latest one in Yuri Tielemans, you know, the the approach has clearly been to try and identify younger players um, that could that could fit a position rather than trying to find a player who are already at, a player that's already at their peak, and that's a kind of that is a laudable element and that's a really, really underrated part of the game, I think, because not only do you get the best out of that player developing into their peak, but then there's, you know, Leicester aren't going to be able to say no to big offers from clubs. For example, Riyad Mahrez, you know, when the time came that he was to leave, we couldn't hold on to him forever. And yes, it was a drawn out saga, but in the end, we got good money for a player that cost us about £400,000. Now, that's a fluke. You can't expect every £400,000 buy to go on to be a £60 million player. But the point is that I'm sure if um, James Madison goes on to move um, club in the kind of near future, and I know Tottenham were were linked with him previously, um, Ben Chilwell obviously is a homegrown product. Harry Maguire is a good example as well. If he goes on to Manchester United or to another top four club, he will be potentially one of the most def- expensive defenders in the world um, because of the fee that Leicester would be able to command for him. And ultimately, he's a player that costs, I think, 16, 15, 16 million from a relegated whole side. So part of it, part of it is financial, I'm sure, in the sense that our owners aren't just willing to keep burning money um, on big name players and they want some sell on potential um, but also I think the appointment of Puel probably played into that youth directive as well he's a manager who has a history of developing younger talent um, wherever he's been and I think he was probably identified as one of the best candidates to bring through those next set of players after the title winning uh, team started to be disbanded and that's no easy job it's very difficult for a manager to look at what Leicester City achieved and make the decision that players are no longer needed in the side um, you know the likes of Andy King Matty James Robert Huth who was an easier decision I'm sure because he was a little bit older but these are still players with something to give at a fairly decent level of football but they weren't the long-term solution to Leicester's kind of approach so there's not many of those players that won as the title that are still you know regulars apart from Casper Schmeichel and Jamie Vardy and you've got people like um, Danny Simpson who are still around the squad but ultimately they're bit part players now um, in in favour of um, someone like uh, Ricardo Pereira coming in and Ben Chilwell taking the, the other fullback spot on the left hand side so it was definitely a, a club-wide approach, and I think it was twofold, both in terms of potential salon value for players, rather than going out and splashing big money on every single kind of established star you could find. There was some of that, and obviously that hasn't worked. So it wouldn't surprise me if the club continued to go after potentially underrated talent or progressive talent in, in lieu of big-name players. Um, and yeah, Puel did a good job to his credit. That is one of the better things that he did. I just think it was a clash of styles almost. The fans wanted something different to what he was able to give. Um, he's obviously very married to that style and wasn't hugely proactive in wanting to change it. That in itself is a problem, I think, if you don't have a plan B, because people will figure you out. Um, and I think it was just it was just a, a clash of styles in terms of expectation and 
you know what we actually saw on the pitch and that can only last so long especially if you lose the dressing room and the results really do turn against you like they have been since the turn of the year hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today yeah so not only is that kind of what pule leaves but that's kind of the basis of the club for the entry of brendan rogers who we obviously mentioned at the top of the show is now going to be the Leicester manager, was in the stadium yesterday, in fact. This appointment has seemed to be met with one of two opinions. Either it's great to get a manager in like this, look at what he's won in Scotland, was so close to winning the title with Liverpool, got the best out of them, or uh, he's awful, they didn't win that title, he was almost immediately sacked by Liverpool as soon as he hit a bump in the road the next season, and Scottish football isn't really a barometer by which a, a good manager should be measured. Curious to get your take up both on that kind of divisiveness that he seems to uh, provide the media, at least, and then your personal view on, on the appointment. Yeah, I think um, it's probably somewhere in the middle, uh, as as these things, you know, those polarised opinions normally <laughs> do fall uh, that way. It, you know, I see what he did at Liverpool as... A positive, I think, to get them so close to the title. And ultimately, yes, it would have been better if they'd have got over the line, obviously. But the fact that he was able to take a team to the brink of that title in 2013-14 is still a fantastic achievement. And yes, things didn't go to plan from there on at Liverpool. You know, I don't think he's probably the easiest character to get on with. He's a quite eccentric character almost. And, you know, some of the stuff in the Being Liverpool documentary that we saw um, back was it when he was in charge at Anfield is a potentially quite, not divisive, but he's probably going to rub some people up the wrong way. And But ultimately, if he's getting results, then I think you know the players will buy into that. And by all accounts, he wants to play the type of football that we saw Liverpool play that season. And it was exciting to watch. Part of the reason I think some non-Liverpool fans were kind of you know, apart from the obvious club allegiances that wouldn't want them to win it, they were kind of the neutral's choice at that point because they were playing some really, really good football. And hopefully that's something that he can implement at Leicester. There are obviously, yeah, his record in Scotland is flawless. And when you're at Celtic, I think, you know, almost the bar is set at winning everything. Anything less than that is almost seen as a bit of a negative. So it's a difficult thing to excel on. But, you know, they're well on the track to a treble treble um, of domestic trophies. And that's that would have been a fantastic achievement. But potentially, I guess, the Leicester City job was one that he didn't feel he could turn down at this point. Whether or not the Leicester City board put a bit of pressure on and said, well, if you don't take it now, 
and want to wait till the end of the season, we not might not be you know in a position to offer it to you anymore. I don't know. Um, it would certainly be something that you know I would say if I was in that Leicester City position. You know what he's done at Celtic is fantastic, but you test someone's willingness to commit to you on that basis, and it, you know he's taken that bait seemingly very very quickly, which is a good sign. I don't think you know he didn't drag it out. He's going to be in place in plenty of time to take charge of the game on on Sunday against Watford. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do because he says he's got big plans for the, the you know, the, the young squad that we've got. And that to me is exciting because he knows now what the blueprint is for success at Leicester. It's bringing through those young players and looking towards the, you know, being the best of the rest. Obviously, if you can get better than seventh, that's fantastic. But I think that would be deemed a success as far as he's concerned. Um, and he's undoubtedly got the tools to bring that forward because he has got a squad of players that I think actually will only get better if he nurtures them and brings them through in the right way. And I'm sure those young players want to play that attacking style of football as well. If you look at the likes of Harvey Barnes, Damari Gray, James Madison, they're attacking minded players. They don't want to be passing sideways and backwards. They want to be getting the ball to feet and running at defenders and have defenders backpedaling, which is what we saw perfectly with Barnes um, against Brighton, you know, in, in the home game yesterday. Um, defenders are scared of that raw pace and that's fantastic to watch as fans. And if he can get that kind of action into a lot of games, then he'll win. You know, he's not got to win the fans over. I think the, the appointment, as far as Leicester fans are concerned, are kind of universally popular. It's the dissenting voices seem to be coming from outside the club, um, whether it's being, you know, picking apart his, his final few months at Liverpool, um, you know, trying to discredit, not discredit, but kind of talk down his achievements at Celtic for whatever reason, um, or just kind of maybe not being a huge fan of Brendan personally. Um, there is, there's, there's going to be some dissenting voices out there. You can't please everyone all the time, but I think from a Leicester City point of view, he's a kind of universally popular appointment and I'm excited probably more about this appointment than I have been about you know one at any other stage in the last few years because he's a big name that Leicester City probably didn't think they would have been able to attract a few years ago and that's testament to where the club's come from since the King Power uh, ownership took over. Mm. Yeah also on the pitch I mean the formation seems to line up with what he was doing at Celtic both running a, a 4-2-3-1 um, as we've discussed before, there are younger players. He wants to embrace that. He certainly did at Liverpool where he helped bring uh, Raheem Sterling into the first team and really thrive there. Um, are you pleased that you found somebody that kind of ideologically seems to be a good fit? Yeah, definitely. I don't think the club could have gone for another maybe uh, less aggressive manager, shall we say, a more possession-based style coach. Um, I think we need someone with that ideology that's going to want to get the ball um, forward and, and play um, a bit more of a high intensity game and that might lead to some more defensive errors but ultimately we were making plenty of those anyway um, so as far as I'm concerned I'd rather see a bit more intent in the final third of the pitch if that costs you goals um, then so be it hopefully it will yield more goals than it costs you and that equation is kind of more than offset but it certainly wasn't going to win anyone over with the Puel type of approach so I think if anything the pressure will be on him to deliver an even more aesthetically pleasing style of football than perhaps he's been under pressure to do at any other point because there is this 
underlying feeling that Leicester fans now expect a good, quote-unquote, good style of football. You know, we talk about Manchester United, for example, playing football in a certain way and people not being happy with Jose Mourinho when he was there and, and you know, taking perhaps a more pragmatic approach to big games, um, you know, being happy to take a point away at top four rivals. You know, I'm not saying Leicester won't be happy with a point away at Manchester City. We are, we'd be delighted. But I think the, the emphasis is very similar in the sense that the fans want a certain style of football to be implemented. There's a patience there within the fan base if it means that our younger players are going to develop despite some mistakes. And that is something that Puel, you know, never really shied away from. When younger players were making mistakes, he didn't really, you know, he wasn't immediately blacklisting them from the team and going back to the more experienced options. Um, otherwise, people like Hamza Chowdhury, who was very good when he came into the team, to be fair, um, you know, wouldn't have got a run in the team. And Ben Chilwell wouldn't be our now first choice left back by country mile. So, you know, he 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 started the process of bringing those players through. And I think it will be on Brendan Rodgers to continue that as well. Yeah. Which players do you think will most benefit uh, either out of those youngsters or from the rest of the squad? I think Harvey Barnes is probably the obvious answer because he is the fresh young talent that's come through the academy, had a very, very good half season on loan at West Brom. And I think they're gutted to be missing out on his services for the second half of the season. Um, But if there is an upside to that, at least he's not being brought back to warm the bench. You know, he's now started a couple of games in a row. He's scored a goal. You know, he's, he's got his first Premier League goal on the board. He has contributed in the final third, you know, as much as almost anyone else since he came back from West Brom. So he's the kind of shining light at the moment. I think it'll be interesting to see what Damari Gray does and James Madison because they have blown very hot and cold. Damari Gray's been blown hot and cold since we brought him from Birmingham about four years ago, to be honest. But Madison seemed to be kind of shrinking into himself a little bit under Puel. Maybe he felt under pressure to curb his natural instincts and maybe that was Demario Gray's issue as well you know they're both very naturally attacking players and obviously you have to have balance in your team you can't be all out attack all the time I completely understand that but we do have a formation that's kind of semi-permanent now with a you know two defensive minded midfielders a flat back four and the rest of them are kind of being afforded theoretically the freedom to go and attack um, in that 4-2-3-1 formation. And we've undoubtedly got the tools to make that defensive double pivot work, whether it's Yuri Tuleman's is a, is, a, is a long-term prospect for Leicester. I'd love him to be. But my sense is that he's going to play really well for the rest of the season. And then, mon- uh, you know, he's going to be able to be sold on for a lot more money than we would potentially want to pay. Um, you know, I'm sure we've got the option to bid for him in the summer. But I would imagine that, Monaco will be able to get more money for him than perhaps Leicester can reach. Um, he looks a super exciting talent. His assist against Brighton last night for the first goal for the Damari Grave goal was fantastic. It was a bit of a no-look through ball. And I know the defensive line wasn't as solid as Chris Hutton would want it to be, but that's the kind of um, attacking flair that perhaps we've been missing. And it's, it's funny that it takes a, a deep-lying playmaker to make that happen when you've got three attacking midfielders on the on the on the go at once almost in every every Leicester City set up at the moment but it's fantastic that that's the that's the case now um, and Madison got a nice assist as well despite the fact I still think he looked a little bit off colour um, but I think you know those front three trio 
Um, and Rashid Gazelle potentially as well, if he breaks into the team and can hold down a spot. But that's looking unlikely based on what we've seen from him this season. I think they'll be the ones to benefit most from what Rodgers is trying to do. Like I said, he brought Raheem Sterling into the Liverpool first team when he was there. I know Raheem Sterling's gone on to say that he didn't feel he was especially well coached by Rodgers at Liverpool. And he kind of appreciated the difference between Rodgers and Guardiola once he'd moved to Manchester City. And he's on record saying that. But that's Pep Guardiola. <laughs> yeah, there aren't many of him out there. No, he's one of the world's, if not the world's best coach and one of the most revered and kind of highly decorated given the time that he's, the limited years that he's had in charge at some of the world's biggest clubs. So, yeah, I think there's plenty for them to learn and hopefully he's able to develop them into players that, you know, in the nicest possible way, as much as it would be a shame to lose someone like Harvey Barnes, Damara Gray or James Madison to a bigger club, if we are losing them to a bigger club, we've probably been able to reap the benefits because we wouldn't have to sell them straight away. We fended off um, offers for Maguire. We fended off offers for, for Mares for a little while. So hopefully we've been able to enjoy the fruits of what they've been doing and their development before we then kind of let them go on to bigger and better things. Um and, you know, someone said, to, I was having a conversation with someone earlier today, you know, maybe Rogers sees Leicester as a stepping stone in the nicest possible way. It's a route back into English football and a very attractive one at that. The club's well set up. It's got good infrastructure, good finances. We're looking to expand the stadium to make it, I think, another 8,000 seats, which would be fantastic. It's not going to be the biggest ground in the world, but it's going to be, a, you know, a good number of fans in there. And that will help with the revenue once it's kind of paid for itself through ticket sales and everything else that goes with that. But also the training ground's being completely redone and they're moving from the kind of inner city complex that they've got at the moment, which has got limited capacity for expansion because it's built in the middle of a load of houses to a more kind of outer um, suburban um, complex, which is going to cost £100 million, but it's seemingly going to be one of the best around. So there's there's encouraging stuff there to, for, you know, as a, for Leicester as a potential employment opportunity. But if Rogers goes on to manage another big four club probably won't go to Manchester United given the Liverpool connection but if say for example he steps up to take the Spurs job you know or is in a position to succeed someone at Manchester City he'll have had to have done a pretty good job at Leicester and we will have yielded the benefits of that so I'm not pretending that he's going to be our manager for the next decade it may well be that he sees us as a stepping stone but in order to make that step to a bigger club Leicester will have had a pretty good run of it I think. Yeah, he has to do well in order to attract uh, that kind of interest. I doubt, I very much, I mean, you know, whether Everton, for example, you know, he wouldn't take the Everton job anyway, but a club of that ilk would be an almost sideways step if Leicester are able to compete with them for seventh spot every season. Yeah. Uh, And we can compete with them with finances. So, um, yeah, I think if he's going to move on, and not be kind of pushed out the door. If he's going to move on because he's got a better offer, he will have done a good job at Leicester. And that's something that we need to embrace rather than just being worried, you know, always looking over our shoulders. I don't think that's the mentality that we need to take from this. Mm. Yeah, you brought up uh, seventh again there. And I'm curious, is that a target for this year? Or is there really not an aim for this year other than just getting him bedded in, getting him to know the squad to have a very good start to the 1920 season? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of teams that, will feel that seventh is within their grasp and ultimately only one team can finish there. So I don't want to say it's an aim for this season because I think he's coming when we're at 12th. But that win last night undoubtedly helps the, the points total, especially with Wolves dropping points as well. And I think this is the point. 
those middling teams that are just outside the top six are so inconsistent at times. You look at Wolves, for example, they'll go and lose at Huddersfield, but they'll win a much higher profile game. Leicester have been exactly the same. We lost at home to Cardiff this year and yet beat Manchester City a few days before that. Um, there's so much inconsistency and Watford are the same. I know they're on a good run at the moment, but they've had their kind of high profile blips as well. So I think a top top half finish would be a good start for him because it would give him that that landmark to tick off the list and then you try and kick on the next year. I'm not saying eighth is going to be seen as a disappointment next year, but I think best of the rest will be the aim. You know, it's not a be all and end all target, but I think it's where Leicester will want to be aiming based on expenditure, wage structure, you know, potential finances that are available in the summer to further improve the squad. Um, Leicester's owners are ambitious. You know, they came in and said they wanted to be a Champions League club within four years and did it within three. Um, That's not always going to happen. And we've heard plenty of lines from foreign owners that have gone out to be turned out to be complete rubbish. And maybe it's that Leicester got, you know, we're in the right place at the right time. But the point is they're ambitious. They want to be looking upwards rather than downwards. Um, and, you know, Brendan Rodgers looks like the best candidate to take us forward based on the available options at this stage. Yeah, well, it sounds like on the whole, you are pretty pleased uh, with him coming in. I did mention <laughs> to you out there before we started that the only person this leaves in a very, very awkward place um, is Benkovic, who, of course, is a Leicester player currently on loan at Celtic. Their fans obviously very frustrated that uh, Rogers would leave in the middle of the season. Uh, what do you think is the best outcome for them rest of the season so that you get your player back having been in both dressing rooms during this transition? Yeah, it, I mean, if anything, it probably gives Benkovic, I know it's short-term pain, but it might actually be long-term gain because that second centre-back spot is up for grabs, essentially, as long as Harry Maguire doesn't move on. And let's assume he's there at the start of next season. Um, that second centre-back spot is really open. No one's really making a big play for it. Johnny Evans isn't getting any younger and was, you know, is always going to be a little bit of a short-term sticking plaster. Um, Wes Morgan is is showing his age as well and kind of on his way out, I think, being phased out of the team. The fact that he's not got back into the team despite being fit um, when Evans has admittedly made a really good, you know, contribution, um, you know, that shows that Morgan potentially isn't in the first team plans as much as he would have been 12 or even six months ago. Um, so Benkovic, maybe he's got an advantage in that Rogers has seen a lot more of him than he will have of anybody else in the squad, uh, in the Leicester squad come the summer. Um, it's obviously not ideal for Benkovic being kind of marooned at Celtic because of the fact that we wouldn't recall him at this stage outside of a, a window. Um, so... I mean, the best case scenario is, I guess, is Celtic go on to win the treble treble anyway under Neil Lennon. Um, And, you know, ultimately, Brendan Rodgers' departure doesn't mean that they are any less successful uh, on paper than they have been or they would expect to have been had he stayed there. Um, But, yeah, I think Benkovic could make a real play for that that second centre-back spot because it is up for grabs. And he's obviously a player with a lot of potential. Um, and been playing at a good level. You know, I think he's probably ahead in the pecking order of almost anyone else in the team based on the fact that Rogers will know him well and he's been playing at a half-decent level um, for the rest of the season rather than just being a kind of um, a bit part player um, like what we've had uh, in the squad this year. You know, we've had so many centre-back partnerships with Maguire that it's been difficult for anyone to make a real solid case for it. Yeah, and he also kind of fits your age range of success 
Um, he, yeah. He'd fit into that really well as well. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time out today. Uh, you sound very pleased, and Lester fans probably should be as well. Um, thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jim Knight eighty eight, and uh, as Kev mentioned, I work for a company called DAZN. So we're a sports media group that own a lot of uh, football websites that include Goal dot com and Soccerway. So uh, we, I do a lot of betting content for them. So um, if that's your thing, then uh, give us a look uh, either on the website or over on Twitter as well. Awesome. Yeah, certainly be sure to go check him out over at those places. Jim, thanks again uh, for coming on today. Hopefully there are no more emergency sessions regarding Lester, but we look forward to speaking soon. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.